to plant a church out in the Inland Empire. Uh, if you're not from California, you probably have no idea where that is. But the great thing about the Inland Empire is when I got there, I discovered there were other people from Concordia there. And as we started a church, we were blessed to have a team of people, not just myself, my wife, but others we had to come across that had spent time here and embodied some of the culture from here and were able to help us uh, plant that into the church and to bring the culture of Jesus that we experienced here to a culture of despair in our community that we discovered and were able to hopefully bring them Jesus through that. And I mentioned culture because we take a look at the letters of John, they really are about the culture of what it means to be the church, how we live together as God's people. You may have already talked about that in some of your studies of uh, the letters of John, that they are written at probably close to, very close to the end of, of John's life, close to the close of the first century, and the church has gone through lots of difficulties. There have been some splits and some divisions. They have experienced attacks from within and from outside of the church as well, and John encourages them to continue to embody Christ in their culture and to share that with other people. And so this morning, he challenges us to do the same. Uh, We are reminded, I was reminded when I was a student here, I was on the student life board, I was an RA and just a student, and I was blessed to be a student of Dean Wieselmeyer. And he always challenged and encouraged and rallied us to not just be a community of people, but to be a just community. You can quote Dean Wieselmeyer on that, but to say not just people living in proximity, but to do so justly, to do so with a purpose that enriches the lives of other people around us. And that's what John calls us to do in uh, 1 John chapter 3. He challenges us to love with actions and with truth. You see, John was aware that his culture and our own culture highly prize emotion. Right? We care about love, we care about how we, we think and we feel, but John says that doesn't make a lot of difference unless it translates into actions that make a difference in the life of other people. And so he challenges us to do that. He says that we should lay down our lives for our neighbors, those we may not even know. And so he asks, I think, challenging questions about ourselves and our culture here as we live together as God's people. I heard that it is finals week. I myself got through finals here at Concordia, not on my own volition, but on the, the grace of fellow students, especially when I took Greek. Uh, the first time didn't go that well. And the second time, some fellow students took me out of their wing, and when it was time for finals, and really throughout the whole semester, we studied together. And you know, they were a lot smarter than me. And they didn't need to spend time with me helping me figure out Greek, but they did so graciously. And I was blessed by that, and I experienced that awesome community. That's one of the great things about Concordia. You know, in academic settings, it's often very, very competitive. Only one student can be the top of the class, right? And a lot of universities do experience that, hopefully not here at Concordia. But some of the challenges we do have, even as a Christian university, is how do we interact as God's people? So let me ask those of you here who are Lutheran, How do other students at the school experience their interaction with you? If they're from a different denomination, do they feel like they're second-class citizens? Or do they feel like they have something to offer? Do they feel like they're maybe more important to you than you are to yourself? And collectively as Christians, right, as maybe a, a small slice of the school that's here in chapel this morning, how does the rest of the school, student body that are not Christians, experience us as Christians? 
Do they feel like they're second-class citizens? Do they feel like they have been judged or they feel like they have been loved and cared for? You know, it was Charles Mansky and, and many others who, who helped to found this university, and they initially wanted it to be the Great Commission College, to be a place that re- reached out into the world. And I think it's doing that now more than ever, which is awesome. But reminded we have a calling to love others regardless of what they have to offer to us, regardless of whether they agree with us. You see, that's what John calls us to do. And then he says something interesting. He says, what about when our hearts condemn us? What about when we acknowledge in our life that we're not doing that? That we are putting ourselves first and other people are often last. Maybe people have felt condemned in our presence. What do we do about that? And John says we do, what we do with that is we go to Jesus Christ. And we recognize that we have the power as individuals to change the culture around us. That's the dream of your parents, the dream of your professors, the dream of those who started this university and keep it going, is that it would be a place that creates world-changing people. Maybe you think, how can I change the culture? It's such a big thing. But culture is made up of people. And if you are changed by Christ, you have the power to change your culture. And John preaches about this in his letter because John's own life had been changed. Jesus knew John better than he knew himself. When Jesus met John and his brother James, he called them the sons of thunder. You know, John is often known as the apostle of love, but to Jesus, he was known as the sons of thunder because Jesus knew what was underneath. One time when Jesus was not accepted in the town, John, his brother, said, hey, Jesus, should we call down, you know, hail and fire and brimstone and burn those people down? He said, see, that's why you're the sons of thunder. So what transformed him from being the sons of thunder to being the apostle of love? Tragically, when Jesus gave his life for us, John was the only one of the remaining 11 disciples who was actually there. And ladies, you can take heart and be encouraged. There were a lot of women there as well who weren't afraid to be at the cross. But John was the only one of the disciples who was there. And he saw Jesus give and live his life for him. John experienced firsthand what love really was. And that is what transformed him from a son of thunder to the apostle of love. See, when he saw Jesus give his life for him, he knew That although Jesus was God himself, Jesus was a lot more than head of the class, and he put himself last for the sake of John, for the sake of people that John had been judgmental towards, for all of those who had deserted him. Regardless of who they were, Jesus loved, lived, died, and rose again for them. That's John's prayer for us, that we would encounter Jesus. He says there at the end that his spirit now lives in us. John's prayer is that when our fellow students encounter us, when our community encounters us, when you leave this place and you go out to be world-changing people, John's prayer is that people would encounter not just you, but they would encounter Christ living within you. Let's close the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take us, Lord, and make us your humble servants. Heavenly Father, you would have us value all of those that we encounter more than we value ourselves. Lord, help us to see in every person we meet Someone for whom you decided to give your life. Someone for whom had enough value to you to do that for, Lord. We pray that you would have us to treat them the same way that you would. To love, to care for, and to embrace them. That they too may experience a culture of love and peace from your people. And of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray and live. Amen. I want to invite you to open.